Well, good evening. Good to see those who are here tonight. Uh, hope you're safe at home also with the storms rolling through. Uh, but glad to have you there on Facebook and on Twitter at HBC Tullahoma and then also on uh, Highland Baptist Tullahoma uh, at, hold on, let me get it right here, Highland Baptist Church on YouTube. And so I uh, want to encourage you to heart, like, share uh, each one of those. Uh, let the word get out there that, of, of our service. Uh, that just helps to get more eyes before it. Uh, it's a way that you can invite someone to join us. And then we also have our phone live streaming. So welcome to those of you who are listening uh, on the phone lines. Uh, if you want that number, uh, you can see me after church. I'll be glad to give that number to you. Uh, we don't broadcast it out over the air uh, because uh, we used to have lots, with our previous number, we used to have lots of telemarketers who wound up starting to call us. And uh, that costs us every time they call. And so uh, that was not free. And so uh, we will give you that number uh, if you need that number and want that number. Uh, also, don't forget uh, that um, you can go to the church website at Highland Baptist Church. Uh, dot com. It's under the info tab there that you can download today's, this week's worship bulletin. A lot of upcoming activities that are there uh, in it. And so I encourage you to take the time uh, to do that. And then also you should have the children's worship bulletins uh, there uh, underneath that info tab also. So be sure to get those downloaded. You can share the link if you want. And then we also have our prayer list uh, that you can download under that info tab and encourage you to take the time uh, to do that also so uh, you can be in prayer and you can be ready to give us any of those prayer requests no matter what platform you're watching on uh, you can let us know uh, of any prayer requests by going over to Facebook uh, and sharing there that's what we'll see in the live you can share it on any of the other platforms we just won't see it until later uh, you can also send us an email uh, at our email for the church at Highland Baptist Tullahoma at gmail.com uh, or you can call the church office and give us that uh, also, and then if you will go to the far right hand side, click the give online tab is there that you can do your online giving there as well as the giving for the golden offering for Tennessee missions. Hopefully we don't lose any power and, and uh, lose you on the broadcast uh, tonight, but you bear with us. If we do uh, get disconnected, we will try to come back uh, to you. And so uh, just bear with us with that. If you're on the phone, uh, just hang up. It will call you back when we do go back live if we should lose power. Okay, Ms. Freeman, come and lead us tonight. rain pelts down and the lightning is around. <laughs> uh, Mike and Rebron, a well-deserved vacation to the mountains this week, and he asked me if I would fill in for him, and I always love to uh, sing the wonderful hymns that we have about our Lord. If you'll join me, we're going to sing hymn number 447, Trust and Obey. We'll sing all four verses.
thought of that because I'll have to control the rest of the service from there so uh, as you take a look at your prayer list hopefully you got one in person is there anybody in person didn't get one uh, they're down here by Miss Rima if you did you need one Tyler okay all right if you're online be sure to uh, go to the website there if you didn't get it downloaded uh, already um, and I will flip over on my phone on my device here to Facebook so I can kind of watch there to make sure of any prayer requests. Get my volume down. Uh, just to make sure. So as you take a look at your prayer list, uh, there are several that are on your prayer list, some that we've added tonight, uh, some others uh, that were on our list that we've uh, updated it also. So. Uh, Connected to a service I can get on here. I am. I turn my volume down. Okay. That way I've got the prayer list before me there as you make any comments. Uh, on our friend, on our HPC family side, just want to encourage you to continue to remember Robert Everett. He's doing well. Uh, he has been here for services. Uh, he's doing, he said, everything the doctors told him to do. Uh, so we'll probably remove him off the list tonight, but uh, just uh, you can continue to remember him for tonight. Uh, Rita Fulcher, I've not heard on how her treatments have been going. Does anybody? I know she started that uh, or was starting that soon, so uh, do keep her in your prayers. Uh, Susie Barton, uh, she has been at NHC and I believe is still at NHC right now, but they are probably going to be moving her uh, to um, Morning Point uh, is the word we had yesterday. And so keep her in your prayers as they move uh, her over. And then also uh, on the friends and family side, we had several that we've added uh, there. Uh, we've added, um, uh, as you'll notice, three up from the bottom there, Robert and Sandy 
Sims uh, for cancer there, um, and uh, Roger sent me a, a message to uh, share with you a little bit more there that Robert and Sandy, husband and wife, both have or had had cancer. Uh, Sandy passed uh, last Monday morning, and her husband, Robert, uh, is still tr being treated for cancer. So just remember uh, the Sims family uh, there in your prayers. And then also the family of, of Von Priestwood, uh, that is Imogene's brother-in-law? Brother-in-law, that's what I thought. Uh, and so uh, one, he passed away, so we want to remember them in prayer. And then Virginia Craig Griffin, it may be the other way, Griffin Craig. Uh, this is uh, Andrew who passed away this summer. It is his uh, ex-wife. Uh, she is having a tumor removed, uh, and I believe Nora is staying with uh, Tommy and Brenda this week. So uh, keep uh, Virginia in your prayers uh, as she's having that uh, surgery uh, this week. They said it should be a uh, a pretty pr normal procedure to do, uh, so they don't expect any major things, but she would, she would have some soreness and stuff uh, from that. And so just wanted to give you those. I know Diane Tatum's been having some uh, back issues still, and she's gonna be having some tests and things done again soon on her. And then Mark Raymond's having uh, a, a epidural uh, in his back uh, soon uh, for, for his issues there. Any others that we need to add to the list or any other updates that you have of those that are on the list? Even if you're there at home, if you just go to Facebook or you message us on our email, we'll get that, we'll share that later, but Facebook is where we'll share it live. Okay, and so that's uh, Steve Maybe for those of you online listening, uh, who's on our friends and family side there. And this is your your cousin. This is Remus' cousin. Um, he, he has had cancer, but he's finished with the radiation and chemo treatments. Uh, but we'll be going uh, back to Oklahoma University for the follow up there to the hospital there. Uh, and so they've asked for prayer as they go for that follow up that things will be good when they do that. Any others? I don't see any others, and I don't see any on Facebook uh, there either. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer for these special needs, and then we'll get right into our Bible study for tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness tonight. We pray, Father, that you will uh, just work in our hearts and our lives in a powerful way. We pray, Lord, that you will uh, just bring us into your presence tonight, Lord, and for that to happen we know that we have to be honest with ourselves about any sin that is in our hearts and our lives. So shine the light of your truth into our hearts. Uh, let us see, Lord, uh, any wicked ways within our, our hearts. And we just ask, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, just have your hand upon us uh, in that way. Lord, I pray that you will um, uh, stir our hearts, Lord, uh, towards uh, drawing closer to you when we see that we stray away. Uh, Lord, that we would immediately be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, if we are an individual who's never trusted by faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, then I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will 
uh, just uh, speak to our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring us to that place of salvation. And Lord, we want to come before you tonight uh, just thanking you for the many great and mighty things you have done, for your miracles uh, that you have performed already. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will just uh, continue to do your wonder-working work in each one of these individuals' lives that we've been praying for. Some of these we've been praying for for quite some time. Others are new requests, and we just want to uplift them all to you. And we know there's nothing too great, nothing too big uh, for you to take care of or to handle. And so, Father, we just pray that you will have your hand upon each one of these individuals. Show your power and your, your glory and your majesty in their lives as you bring about the healing that they so desperately need. Father, I pray that you'll make your presence known to them, that, that they will know that you are walking with them. Even if they don't know you as Lord and Savior, they'll sense uh, your presence with them, Lord, that they might be drawn to faith in Christ. And, and Lord, I pray that you will give them in their lives as they continue to lean upon you and to trust in you. May you give them, Lord, that peace that passes all understanding in their hearts and in their lives. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to hear uh, of, of your hand at work, as we continue to hear of the miracles that are happening, uh, of how individuals are continue to, to get well, Father, I pray that we will use that as opportunities to glorify you, to testify about you, uh, to share the good news uh, of the gospel with those who are lost. <coughs> And how, Lord, you can you not only bring about physical healing, but you can bring about ultimately the spiritual healing that we so often need in our lives. Lord, be with those who can't be here with us tonight for whatever reasons. Be with those who are watching online. And I pray that they will sense and feel a part of the, the service even here tonight. And I pray, God, as we get into the book of Revelation uh, tonight again in chapter 19, that, Lord, just let your word come alive to us. Let it be powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray, God, that uh, you would literally in our mind and in our hearts place us in the midst of what we're about to read in Revelation 19. And I pray, God, that you will uh, use this message to stir the hearts of those who are lost and to stir those hearts of those who are saved uh, to a more faithful walk with you. So bless your word tonight. Bless us with the hearing of the word, uh, the, the reading of the word, and the keeping of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Revelation 19. I'm going to step down just a second to grab my laptop. I do have that down here, and I can control from there. So I've entitled tonight's message, The Return. Let me get off of Facebook there. And what we know from uh, Revelation chapter 19 uh, is that the day is coming uh, when the drama of this life as we know it uh, is going to end. Uh, and the trumpet's going to sound, and Jesus uh, is going to come again. And we anxiously look forward uh, to that day. And so uh, the, the curtains, as we are going to see here in these verses, uh, are drawn back uh, so that we can get a glimpse into what's going to happen uh, in those last days. And let me switch over here. One more. Over by uh, the day's coming, uh, and it, it, Jesus Christ uh, is going to step out onto center stage. Uh, he's he's going to be the total focus, whether you're a believer or not. Uh, and what a day that's going to be. We long and look forward uh, to that day. 
but what we need to understand is that he is not coming the second time like he did the first time. Uh, the first time uh, we, we find out that he came to redeem. The first time he came to redeem, but this time he comes to rule. Uh, the first time he came as a suffering servant, but this time he comes as a supreme sovereign. And so uh, the first time he was placed in a manger. Uh, the second time that he comes, uh, he's going to be proclaimed as the master. The first time he came, uh, he was, he, his deity was denied, but the second time he comes, his deity will be declared. The first time he was cursed as a false king, uh, but the second time he comes, he will be crowned as the true king. The first time he was rejected as a liar, uh, but this time he is received as the Lord. The first time uh, Satan was a destructive force, but this time we're going to find out that Satan is a defeated foe. The first time he came to proclaim his kingdom, this time he's coming to set up his kingdom, to claim his kingdom. You know, we, we missed the glory we did of his first coming. We weren't there for his first coming. But here's the one thing that we do know, that one way or the other, we will not miss the glory of his second coming if you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. One way or the other, if you know Jesus as Savior, uh, then we're going to see and we're going to share in the coming of the King. Because either way, uh, we, we will either come with him or he, we will go to him, uh, one of the two. And, and so I want you to see tonight, as we've been looking through our Revelation prophecy charts, uh, just as a reminder, we've gone through uh, this whole first section with the seven letters to the seven churches, the seven seals. We've moved on through the seven trumpets, the interlude there uh, that draws back to give us a bigger picture of what's happening. We've gone through the seven bowls uh, to the sixth one at least there. And, and then now we've uh, come to this uh, little piece right there at the very end of that chart uh, where we are kind of in between uh, the, that and the thousand-year reign. Next week, uh, we're going to be in Revelation 20, and that will be the thousand-year reign that we're going to see that he sets up. And so this first part I want you to see is the reality of his return, the reality of his return. And you see this in the beginning of verse 11. Verse 11 begins and says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, is called Faithful and True. Uh, we just want to look at that little first part there to begin with. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now understand this about what John is writing. This is not some figment uh, of his imagination. This isn't something he's dreamed. Uh, he wants to show us and wants us to know it is something he saw with his eyes. That's why he says, then I saw. He doesn't say, then I dreamed or even then I imagined. He saw this before his eyes. It's also something that he wants us to see because he adds that word after the end in the middle of that phrase there, and behold, behold. This is something he doesn't want anybody to miss. Anytime you see that word in the scriptures, behold, it's always there to, to grab your attention, to say, don't miss what you're about to hear. Don't miss what you're about to see. And he doesn't want us to miss 
the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus is the theme of the book of Revelation from the beginning all the way to its end. In fact, that's what we've said. The whole focus of the book of Revelation is about Jesus. Now, we get caught up sometimes in the prophecies and, and the Antichrist and, and the number of the beast and all those kinds of things, the 144,000, but ultimately the whole book is about Jesus. It's ultimately about his return. And so uh, John, in some similar words, said in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, he said, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And so again, you see the emphasis is on seeing this coming and beholding this coming. And so the return of Jesus, it is a real event uh, which is going to take place in the future. It's not some fable. It's not fiction. It's fact. But it's not just a theological fact. It's not just a prophetical fact, nor is it just a biblical fact. It is a historical fact. Uh, you can go there today to Israel. Uh, I went several years ago, and, and I'll never forget standing there on the Mount of Olives. Uh, we were standing there with a, a beautiful sun-drenched mountain there, uh, looking towards the, the ancient eastern gate uh, that is sealed up now uh, of old Jerusalem, and remembering that it's from that same mount, from the Mount of Olives, that Jesus ascended into the heavens as the disciples watched. And, and you can't help but think, uh, when you're standing there on that mount about that day when Jesus ascended uh, to, the, to the heavens and, and you think of what happened in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 where it says, And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him uh, out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes <clears throat> and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, this same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So just as surely as Jesus ascended into heaven that day and his disciples saw that, one day we're going to see him descend from heaven back to that same mount, the Mount of Olives. And that's very interesting to note in the, Reve in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, uh, that it pictures there a door in heaven that is open and John walks in. But here we see uh, in Revelation uh, <coughs> 10 or 19 verse 11, we see that it's opened. Uh, and I saw heaven opened. Uh, there's, the door's not closed anymore. Uh, the door is, is open. Uh, John walked in through the door in Revelation 4.1, but now it's open and Jesus walks out. Now, there's two reasons why all of heaven is open. Not just the door, uh, not just the door. First of all, Jesus himself is the door. Jesus said, I am the door. But secondly, understand this, there's no door big enough for Jesus to walk through. So all of heaven is open so that Jesus and his mighty armies can return to this earth. <clears throat> we see secondly also <clears throat> the revelation of his return. Not only the reality of his return, 
but the revelation of his return. So as much as the Bible tells us about Jesus, there is so much more for us to learn. Every page you turn through, even when you go back through passages that maybe you've studied before, there is still so much more for us to learn about Jesus. And there are still some things that, that none of us even know uh, yet. You know, two very special qualities of Jesus are revealed by his return. Uh, the first is this, is his powerful nature, his powerful nature. And we see that in the second half of verse 11. <clears throat> and so verse 11 says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, the white horse, the one sitting on it, is called Faithful and True. <clears throat> From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And so we're reminded here again that Jesus is both faithful and true. First, he's faithful to his promises. Uh, God doesn't just make promises, he keeps them. Uh, he keeps them through Jesus Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, and that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God uh, for his glory. And, and so uh, he keeps us through Jesus Christ. One sure solid reason that we know Jesus is coming again is because he said he would. Uh, you remember those words Jesus spoke that, that would brighten that dark day, that would lighten that gloomy funeral when he told his disciples in John chapter 14 and uh, verse 1, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. Uh, if it were not so, uh, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Now we know Jesus is coming back because he said it. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back. If Jesus said it, you can count on it. Uh, we have his word on it. If you think about David Livingston, David Livingston, a great missionary, was about to set sail for Africa uh, into the deepest, darkest parts there of Africa. At that time, it was a land that was unknown to him and unknown to many. Uh, at that time, most of the world didn't know much about Africa. And somebody asked him, are you afraid? And David Livingston said, absolutely not. Because I have the promise of him who said, Lo, I am with you always. And then he said, That is the word of a gentleman that cannot be broken. And that's so true. When Jesus says it, you can count on it, it's his promise that can never be broken. But he is also true to his person. Not only can he not deny what he says, he can't deny who he is. When Jesus stood before a hostile uh, Sanhedrin, uh, this exchange took place in Luke chapter 22 and verse 70. So they all said, are you the son of God then? Very simple question. Jesus doesn't him haul around. He says to them, you say that I am. When he stood before the high priest, uh, and, and this was their conversation, Matthew chapter 27 
and verse 63 uh, that says, and they said, sir, we remember how that imposter said that while he was still alive after three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Let his disciples uh, go. Actually, I think I've got the wrong verses there. Let me go back to my Bible here. I copied those from uh, another place there. Make sure I've got that correct. Yes, it was actually chapter 26, uh, Matthew 26, verse 63, that says, But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. In verse 64, Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And so in those verses there, we see uh, that he stood before the high priest and that was the conversation. And then you remember he stood before Pontius Pilate, uh, the governor uh, who had his hands, who had his life in his hands. And this is what he, he said. Uh, Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And so uh, over and over and over, Jesus says, uh, that he is uh, who he is, that he is God uh, in the flesh. He is the Messiah. And so this faithful and true Jesus is going to come in righteousness as he judges and makes uh, war. This time, understand, Jesus isn't coming as the meek lamb of God. He's coming as the mighty lion of Judah. He came the first time to bring peace to the earth, but he's coming the second time to make war on the earth. And so the Son of God is a man of war. This war is going to be fought, uh, as the verses told us there, it's going to be fought in righteousness. This is a war that's not only desired by the Savior, it's deserved by the sinner because it's going to be the final triumph of good over evil, of grace over works, and of God over Satan. And so that leads us to the second characteristic we see here, not only the powerful nature that we see, but also his personal name that we see in verse 12 down through verse 16. So three times in these verses, the word name is mentioned here. In, this, in his first name, we see mystery. Uh, so if you will look at verse 12 uh, there, it, verse 12 says, and his eyes are like a flame on fire, and on his head are many diadems, many crowns, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. And so there's a mystery. What is that name? We know many of the names of Jesus, but we don't know all of them. We know much about Jesus, but we don't know all of Jesus. Now, we can, we can know God savingly. We can know God uh, enough to be saved, but we cannot know God completely uh, because he is infinite. Uh, he who is totally immortal is partly incomprehensible. In, in other words, the finite, which we are, can never totally know the infinite. Uh, we're going to spend all of eternity learning about Jesus, but we'll never know all there is to know about him. The second name we see, uh, in the second name, we see ministry. Uh, and we see that in verse 13. So we see the mystery there. We don't know what the name is that was written uh, there in verse 12. But in verse 13, 
You read and it says, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Uh, and so uh, he is uh, the Alpha and he is uh, the Omega, uh, a word made up of letters. And Jesus Christ is the Alpha and Omega. Uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 6 says that. But as for the cowardly, uh, Actually, I have the wrong reference there, too. But we know that what the scripture says there, that he is the Alpha and the Omega. What that tells us is he's the entire alphabet. He's the entire alphabet of God's revelation to us. You see, words are a form of communication and expression. Uh, Jesus is the full expression of God. He's the total communication of God. And he tells us all that we need to know about God. But not only is the word of God his name, it's also the, his sword with which he will strike the nations. If you will look at, verse, uh, look at verse 14 and verse 15, it says, And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Let me get up to my verses here. They were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God of God Almighty. And so we see there in those verses that not only is the word of God his name, it's also the sword. The ministry of Jesus at his second coming is going to be far different from that which was his ministry at his first coming. When he came the first time, it was a ministry of grace and truth, but now it's going to be one of battle and blood. And so at this last climatic battle of the ages, all of the world's going to be gathered together. Uh, there's going to be the guns and the planes and the tanks and the jets and the missiles and the bombs. But when Jesus comes, what's the only weapon that he's going to have? His word. The God that spoke this world into existence is going to speak it into oblivion. Here's what Isaiah 11 verse 4 says. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his what? His mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. So this battle is really going to be over before it ever begins. The enemy is going to be pulverized. Uh, this is going to be a war that's won by a word. In fact, there really won't be a war at all in the sense that we think uh, of a war. Uh, just a word's going to be spoken uh, from him, the one who sits on the great uh, white horse. Uh, it, it'll be the same one. Uh, Jesus is the same one. You remember when he was walking with his disciples and he saw a fig tree? And he spoke with his words to that fig tree, cursed the fig tree, and it withered and died. It's going to be the same one who spoke a word when the storm was raging and the, and the howling winds and those raging waves. And, and when he spoke the word, peace, be still. It was like they all fell at his feet. This is the one who spoke a word to a legion of demons that were destroying a man's soul and instantly they fled like deserters into the heat of battle. And so we see uh, in that 
we see uh, the, the, not only the reality of his return and the revelation uh, of his uh, return, we also see the result of his return. And so uh, let me skip back to one verse that I miss here. His third name uh, that we see is Majesty, uh, which is verse 16. On his robe and his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so that name is written on his thigh, which stands for power. Uh, he has the position of a king because he's the king of kings. And so the third point we see is the result of his return in verse 17. In verse 17, it says this. Well, actually, we'll move to verse 19, because 17 we'll come back to. In verse 17 and following, we're going to be given a detailed description uh, of the moment that we have all really been waiting for. Uh, this is the time that we've been studying for in Revelation that the one who is the captain of our salvation is going to return from heaven. He's going to take his rightful place as the king of this world. And what a moment that's going to be. You know, think about with the advance of all the modern technology that we have. You know, science fiction writers have, have entertained us with all kinds of movies and books about possible invasions from outer space and such. And they always show a world that's terrified and scared out of its mind that are uniting around a common cause before a foreign enemy. Well, there's going to be be an invasion, but it's not going to be from outer space. Uh, it's going to be from upper space. Uh, as Jesus Christ returns in all of his glory with these armies of his angels and his saints to fight one last battle for the control of this world. But again, this isn't a fantasy. This isn't fiction. It's not some fable. It's fact. Uh, and that's what we see here in the first part here is the conflict that's commanded and that's why we want to look at verse 19 first and then we'll come back to verse 17 and 18 so the conflict that's commanded verse 19 says this and i saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army and so everything satan can muster uh, he musters to throw against god in this one climatic showdown if you will the beast is here, the false prophets here, the kings of the earth have been gathered, the greatest army in human history uh, has come, numbering over 200 million. Uh, we've read about that in previous prophecies. Uh, and they're, they're all there ready to do battle against our great God. Now, the psalmist of old told us that this day would come uh, one day. In Psalm chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, Why do the nations rage? And the peoples plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers uh, take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So we wonder, how could this be? How could the human race be so blinded as to be deceived into trying to fight a war that there's no way they could possibly ever win against an almighty, omnipotent, powerful God? So you, we can just imagine how the beast will gather his armies and gather his allies and, and even, even his antagonists together. And he gives them one final speech. Somebody wrote a speech uh, that kind of goes like this uh, that I want to share with you that maybe he would have he would say something like this gentlemen we are at war 
and we have been at war with one another. The time has come for us to unite in a common cause. The things that unite us now are far more important than the things that divide us. It's no longer a question of which of us will rule the world is a question of common survival. The time has come for us to take final counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. He has put himself in, in our power. He has dared to appear on earth. The last time we saw he came, we crucified him. This time we'll cast his bands asunder and cast away his cords from us forever. We have tried uniting for peace. It hasn't proved a durable bond. Now let us unite for war. Let us deal with this invasion of our planet once and for all. Let us peel with this invasion of white robe psalm singers. Let us show them how men freed of all religious opiates can fight. Let us hurl our defiance in their teeth. Time and again I have given you proofs of my mighty and supernatural powers. That dreaded Lord of darkness whom we serve has defied these heavenly hosts of countless ages and is more than a match for them all. Come, let us rid the world and its atmosphere forever of these unwanted chanters of hymns. You could just imagine that's what the Antichrist would say. Something's got to be said to gather that many people together to come against the Almighty God. And so it's just foolish thinking. And so it's, but we know that that atmosphere is being primed and being set. I heard someone say even this week, I was listening to a preacher who was preaching through the book of Revelation. He's a little bit further back in Revelation than we are. And he was going over a passage we've already looked at. And he was saying how even now this world is, prime, is getting to be primed for a world leader. Uh, who would step onto the scene to be kind of a savior for the world. He said he had this friend uh, that lives in Europe, uh, and he remember he's 102 years old, so he was around when, when Hitler and all of that happened, as well as uh, with uh, World War I. And he said when World War I ended, it created a vacuum there in Germany that, that people were longing for and looking for somebody to lead them out of uh, all that they had gone through just in World War I and, and to lead them. And, and Hitler stepped onto the stage and, and led them, and then ultimately that came, became to World War II. And so that's what you're going to see in these last days. Uh, there's going to be a 200 million man army that's going to be gathered there. There's going to be the kings of the earth that are going to be gathered there. How do they all get there? What is it? This man has to say something or do something to appeal to their senses, their senses of wrong, to come and to battle uh, against God, thinking that somehow, some way, uh, they can defeat the enemy, God, in, in their mind. And so we not only see the conflict that's commanded in verse 19 there, we see the conquest that's enjoyed. We see that the conflict really is no contest. Because first of all, the enemy is devoured. Now go back to verse 17. In verse 17 it says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun with a loud voice. He called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come gather for the great supper of God. Whoa. Look at verse 18. To eat the flesh... Of kings, the kings that we saw that are gathered in verse 19. The flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. 
He calls all those birds. He calls the crows. He calls the ravens. He calls the vultures. He calls the eagles. He calls every flesh-eating bird of the air to come circle and wait for their supper. Every bird is going to hear of this supper and gather together to feast on the carcasses that will remain. We're reminded of the words of Jesus who said this in, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 28. He said, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures, or some versions say the eagles, will gather. And that's what Jesus said. You see, there are two suppers that are mentioned in this book. Uh, there's one that's a supper of joy, but the other is a supper of judgment. And we have a choice. You can either be the guest at one supper or you can be the meal at the other. And that's exactly what you're going to see there. Because this Last Supper is a feast of the fowls. It's a feast of the birds. It's a banquet of the birds. And then we see uh, in verse 20 that the enemy is detained in verse 20. Notice that the beast was captured. And with it, the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Now understand, when you're thrown into the lake of fire, that's it, it's over, it's done, there's no coming back from that. Now we, we're going to see that Satan is cast into the bottomless pit. And he's put in chains there uh, when we get to this thousand year reign that we're going to look at in chapter 20. Uh, so, but when you're cast into the lake of fire, that's it. It's done, it's over. Uh, and so that tells us, though, uh, as we finally come to the de destiny of the devil's followers who are cast alive into the lake of fire, that tells us hell was never prepared for sinners. It was prepared for the devil and his demons. That's ultimately who it was prepared for. So the enemy is detained in verse 20. But then in verse 21, we see the enemy is destroyed. Notice verse 21. And the rest, that's the rest of those kings that are gathered. That's the rest of that 200 million man army that's there. That's the rest of all those who were gathered there to come against uh, the Lord. The rest were killed, were slain by the sword that came from where? The mouth. The mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. There was more flesh to eat than the birds could ever fill their stomachs with. No other battle has ever been fought or ever will be fought in history like this one is fought. Because normally, the general watches while the army fights the battle. But here, the army watches while the general fights the battle. But notice, this general has never lost a battle. It's with his words that he speaks that they are slain, that they are destroyed, they are killed. You know, we were given a preview, a miniature, if you will, uh, of this battle in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see the battle of Armageddon in a miniature, if you will. Because you remember, Jesus had been praying, but then he's approached by one of his disciples, the one called Judas. Judas is the only man in history who was ever devil-possessed. What do we mean by that? That's different from being demon-possessed. Demons are the fallen angels who fell with de the devil. But the Bible tells us he wasn't just demon-possessed. He was devil-possessed because we're told that Satan himself entered into Judas. Judas is a type 
or a picture, if you will, of the Antichrist. Because the Antichrist is one into whom Satan has also entered. So Judas comes leading. You remember that crowd uh, of soldiers that he was leading, those cutthroats, those thugs. And those represent the armies of this world who are gathered together against our precious Savior. Uh, They come to take Jesus prisoner. And he looks absolutely helpless in the garden. But listen to what happens in John chapter 18 and verse 4. It says, Then Jesus knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back, and fell to the ground. Notice that. Did you see that? Just a word from Jesus, and they're all flat on their backs. That's the way this last battle is going to be fought. It's going to be won with just a word from the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. In this battle, there's not going to be any prisoners, there's only going to be casualties. When that moment arrives, that we've all been waiting for, these words written long ago will become a blessed reality. It says this in this poem, with shouting and singing and jubilant ringing, their arms of rebellion cast down. At last every nation, the Lord of salvation, their king and redeemer shall crown. The kingdom is coming, oh tell ye the story, God's banner exalted shall be, The earth shall be full of his knowledge and glory as waters that cover the sea. You know, as we think about that moment that we're waiting for even now, I don't know about you, but my heart says, as the Apostle John says, even so come, Lord Jesus. I am looking for that day, and I hope you are too, for the return of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, today is the day to get that right before that return happens. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy and your loving kindness. We thank you, God, for watching over us, and we thank you for what we have seen even in this passage, Lord. I pray that uh, you will help us, Lord, to, to realize the importance Uh, of what we see uh, in these verses. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to realize that that day is coming and hastening ever quicker. Uh, Father, we know that the stage is being set. And so either or, either we are going to draw our last breath in this world and die and go to be with you in heaven and come when you return, uh, or that trumpet's going to sound and we're going to go up to be with you. Uh, and to to dwell with you in the heavens forevermore. And so, Father, I pray that you will uh, help us to realize the urgency even tonight, that if we don't know Christ as our Lord and our Savior, that we would get that right tonight, right now. Father, that we would call out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. 
I believe Jesus died on that cross. I believe he was buried in the tomb and that he arose from the grave on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. And Father, I pray that if some have prayed that in their hearts, may they publicly profess that faith in Christ. Just if they're watching there online to just give us a comment there to let us know that. If they're here in person to talk with me before they leave, even tonight. But Father, I pray that we as believers would also be stirred by this message to realize that that day is also hastening closer for us, that we don't have much time left in, in either way. We don't have much time left because every one of us are getting closer and closer to death's door each day. And we don't have much time left because we know that the stage is being set every day for the return of Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us to make the most of every moment that we have, of every day that we have, to share the good news of the gospel with those that we know and those in our circles of influence, to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, bless us and keep us faithfully serving you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us tonight, especially there uh, online. We're glad to have you with us. We'll be back this Sunday morning, uh, 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. We'll be back in the life of Jesus uh, this coming Sunday, so I want to encourage you to come uh, and join us. Uh, we, we've been having a wonderful walk through uh, the life of Jesus, and don't want you to miss any of that. Uh, but we're so glad that you joined with us tonight. Uh, you stay safe. You have a blessed week, and we'll see you this coming Sunday.